Welcome to the Royalty of the King podcast, and I'm your host, Ed Wilson. This time, I'm joined by Carl Selby and Charlie Ebert, experts in our tech sector, to talk all things privacy after Apple has donned its armour and thrown itself into a privacy war with perhaps the whole way the internet functions. Find out more by listening on. Okay, so yeah, th- thanks Carl and um, Charlie for, for joining us. Um, the This first kind of episode is, is going to be on, you know, the, the privacy war that's going on amongst tech companies at the minute. And I guess we're, the best place to start, because it's all over the news at the minute, is probably with Apple um, and, you know, their recent developments. There's been a lot about iOS 14.5 and the potential changes that are coming with iOS 15. Um, you know, can you just talk through what the developments are and what they might mean for people who, you know, really depend on um, ad revenue? Yeah, sure. Um, I suppose that the biggest change that has come into force already is uh, what Apple introduced in iOS 14.5. Um, obviously, they've upgraded uh, up- dated it since to 14.6. But what that did was require advertisers to ask your consent before you could track, um, they could track your activity on your device uh, across all of the apps. So they're they're allowed to track it in app, but what the technology allows them to do is uh, track across platform effectively. And now Apple are saying, you need permission to do that. You've got to ask. I'm sure anyone who's got an iOS device has been asked endlessly over the last um, yep, definitely. few weeks. Yeah, definitely yeah. not. <laughs> um, <laughs> did, did you say yes or no, Ed? Oh, I, I said no. Yeah, no, I'm probably one of many who's just used the opportunity to say no, but yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think, I think that's one of the, the key points is that so far um, the estimations are that about 80% of people will say no. Um, and that's obviously going to have quite quite large ramifications um, across the industry. Yeah, well, I was going to say I'd seen estimates of slightly higher than 80%, yeah. but I suspect that's where it'll end up landing. Um, I also noticed things like Facebook were putting out messages as part of it that said, you know, if you continue, if you say no, um, we will in effect, struggle to continue to keep Facebook free because obviously the bulk of their revenue comes through advertising rather than direct consumer spend. Um, so it will undoubtedly change the way that advertisers have to work uh, in order to generate the revenue that they're used to. Um, because yeah. if 80% of people say they can't, uh, aren't allowed to track, well then the uh, level of information and data that they're getting about habits of um, users will drop significantly, which will make it much more difficult for them to um, advertise directly to people based on their preferences rather than working on generalized information. They can work on, at the moment, very specific information for each user and therefore target advertising to them. And the great challenge for advertisers is how are they going to do that in, you know, get around this and start building up that data again um, while still remaining within the confines of, um, well, the Data Protection Act and UK GDPR. And if they've got users in the EU, GDPR within Europe. Yeah. And, uh, you know, iOS is obviously just one part of what Apple does. Um, Is there anything else that they've been doing that might impact upon tracking or even anything that maybe Google or Android looking at um, that might impact upon tracking? So Apple are, are really sort of um, 
or some people have called it taking the moral high ground with with privacy and and, and really sort of going full throttle. Um, so not not just the app tracking transparency, which we've already um, spoken about, but um, they're also um, preventing third parties from accessing um, user IP addresses. Um, so I think that's part of iOS um, 15. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what that is sort of looking to stop is um, fingerprinting, so whereby um, your uh, um, computer, your browser um, computer gives off loads of different signals when you access a website and these get picked up and in order to identify you individually. And with the demise of third party cookies, there's a risk that um, ad tech companies will move towards fingerprinting as a way of um, individually identifying um, users and and using that as a way to target ads at at individuals. Um, And so Apple is sort of trying to stamp that out or or prevent that by blocking um, access to user IP addresses. Because I think that the risk is that um, by getting rid of third party cookies, well, what next? who's going to be the first to find a workaround and what is that workaround going to be? Um, And it could end up being just as privacy intrusive as third party cookies if we go down the fingerprinting. Yeah, or or I was going to say it might even be even more intrusive (laughs) than uh, third party cookies because to an extent you've got more control over third party cookies as a user because you can turn off cookies again everyone will be aware of all of the um pop-ups that come up nowadays whenever you go onto a website um it will say do you want to accept all of the cookies some of the cookies none of the cookies if you accept none the website won't work properly so that's not really a viable option for anyone um but how many people actually a read what those cookies are doing i know i'm not very good at doing that and if you're in a rush what do you click? You click accept all yeah, um, just without uh, you ever getting get rid of this intrusive pop up. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, I just exactly. want to read this recipe that I was looking at. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, I'm in a rush. I need to cook dinner for the kids now. I have no time to deal <laughs> to with read all their, the their privacy policy. Yeah. Um, okay. But okay. I mean, there's other ways that uh, Apple are doing this as well. As Charlie said, they're trying to block user IP addresses. They're stopping things in the mail app like pixel tracking, Mm. um, which is where marketers send out an email, put an invisible pixel in it, which will tell you, tell them when you open the email, how long you looked at that email for, what you, where you went to, which links you clicked on after you clicked on those links, what happened, you know, after that. So that gives them a kind of real insight into how, well their email marketing is working um so they're they're stopping that which is kind of interesting because um hey the new email service that um came out at the uh, probably middle of last year i want to say sometime last year anyway they made a huge song and dance about how their app um, mail service would do that and now apple are copying that Uh, i'm sure the owners of that business will have something to say about it um and then they're also introducing things like the private relay again, going further in the way that you can stop uh, people tracking your IP address or other things. Uh, and then 
my personal favorite is the hide my email feature where they will give you a unique email address so that you can give it to email marketeers and then just delete it when you're fed up with receiving their marketing, which I think is quite <laughs> quite a good idea. But what that does is allow people, because uh, you know, obviously if you put your email address into hundreds of different databases, um, then they're able to track you across any that they've got access to, so how you're dealing with it. So if everyone's got a unique email address for each service, then that makes that level of tracking that much harder. And I think... You know, it's really interesting that Apple are pushing the privacy thing so hard at the moment, um, given they're the, you know, they've always been the ones shouting about that more than the likes of Google. But I did notice when Google had their recent I.O. event, they're also starting to look at this because there must be some consumer demand for yeah. this extra level of privacy. I don't think anyone has ever fully understood what, level of tracking is going on and in particular you know you've heard things about how facebook are using marketing data for um political advertising and things like that yeah. which again you know no one anticipated when these technologies first came out um but it, it, it in my head there's two challenges for the ad tech market there's uh, how you get around these things to get the same level of data so Charlie was mentioning fingerprinting. Um, I yep. think that's really interesting. My personal favorite story about a fingerprinting thing, I'm not sure how well, how this actually works, um, but that they are going to use the sound that comes from your computer. Yeah, I read that. To then, do you want to explain <laughs> no, no, it? No, yeah. I, I don't quite know the technology behind it. <laughs> so, so they'll play, I think it was silent sound, so you couldn't hear it, but the computer could. So it then bounce it off you to determine who the user of the computer was <laughs> by the <laughs> yeah by the signature of the sound the echo basically and you're just thinking like if you're the, your average user how do you know that and then how do you stop them using that information to you know target things at you so it might be you've got a family computer with four people who are users of it and they can tell that actually it's the youngest child that's using it so they'll push advertising for whatever Can't advertisers stop. yeah <laughs> want to sell to children mm. and then they'll push you know other stuff to me who wants to buy well mainly gadgets i would imagine but um you know what i wherever i've been looking up but so there, are, so there are pros and cons for businesses is in a way that actually getting rid of like you say the the obvious thing of cookies potentially opens it up to you know more unscrupulous businesses perhaps <laughs> practices um in the future like you say potentially advertising to people when they don't even know they're being advertised to you know because they don't have those big banners about accepting or reducing cookies is there anything though in terms of like you know other other pros and cons just outside of the the advertising side and maybe um i don't know companies being able to actually be more uh ethical or more moral <laughs> moral about it i guess um in terms of how they work their advertising and how they work their their business model i suppose yeah well i i, I think over the last um few years particularly since the um introduction of the gdpr privacy mm -hmm. has become um much more of an important topic and um, being um, privacy aware, privacy conscious um, 
can be a real selling point for companies. And so um, not only, you know, does it enable them to comply with the law, which let's not forget, <laughs> it's always a good thing. <laughs> it's, always, it's always a good thing. Um, you know, if, if they're using um, apps within Apple and, and, you know, basically Apple are allowing um, companies to bake privacy into what they're doing. Um, so they don't have to then worry about it, I suppose, is the thing. And um, at the end of the day, the data that they will get will probably end up being better data. Yep. Um, and, and, and that can only be a good thing, I think. And also from an advertiser's point of view, yes, they, they may lose a bit, of, a bit of money and it might be harder for them um, in, in the long term. But I think there are ways around it. You know, advertising is one of those industries that, that is always moving with the times. And it's this is just another sort of gear change um, and and way to start doing things differently. You know, maybe we'll see more contextual type advertising that's less privacy intrusive and feels more natural. So, for instance, if you, um, you know, are looking on a sort of a fashion based website, you'll see fashion based adverts. Um, yeah. And but they then won't, you know, carry across the web so that you're, if you're then looking at, I don't know, a, a car website you're not suddenly seeing fashion adverts on there because you've you've been on a fashion website previously which would probably look a bit unnatural um so and and i think advertisers will just have to become more creative in in the way that they advertise and in, in, in the way in which they get people um hooked in and looking at their adverts rather than just sort of i suppose the lazy way of just following them across the web yeah. um so it's like an yeah. old, older school version of advertising where you yeah. kind of say, well, this publication is related to the audience that I want to attract. So therefore, I'll do it there instead of just saying, you know, Google, tell me where the people I want are, um, I guess. Yeah, yeah I, I suppose from a, the people wanting to do the advertising, that makes more sense for the advertising agencies that are in <laughs> yeah. the middle. Um, at the moment, they've got a quite sophisticated way of putting different adverts in different places that are relevant to the user that's visiting regardless of where they are. So, you know, I the other day I looked up a new car, you mentioned that, <laughs> um, and immediately when I went into Facebook, everything was about that new car. All the advertising all of a sudden was, you know, do you want to buy this car? which is kind of useful, except I was already looking at a car, so they haven't really gained anything. I suppose it just made every time I look at it, they're thinking, oh, he's one step closer to buying now because eventually it will wear away in my head and then I'll go, oh, I've got nothing to do this weekend. Um, I'll go oh down the car. dealer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hopefully I'm not that frivolous, but you never know. Um, but I, I think there's there's two things. First of all, it's an opportunity for advertisers to look at how they collect that data and possibly look at ways of getting it on a first party basis. Mm -hmm. So getting it directly from the users rather than via other means and tracking as, as you say. Um, but there's from a kind of compliance and ethical perspective, there's also a huge opportunity when you're doing the new technologies to look at that with privacy in mind Charlie said by design, which is exactly what people should be doing, um, looking at making sure that, you know, whatever they're doing, it's being collected in a, an ethical and secure manner, um, that 
the user transparency is there so that they are telling users exactly what data they're collecting, why they're collecting it, the purposes for which they're using it, which is all stuff they have to do under um, now UK GDPR or if you're in the EU, still GDPR. Um, and also doing the sort of risk assessments and uh, auditing alongside that to make sure that you can demonstrate to the ICO or any other regulator that you are complying. And actually, if you're starting from scratch with the new technology, you can do that right from the outset. The internet sort of grew up before all this data protection legislation came in. Um, and now it's being kind of shoehorned to fit. Mm. And it's you know a different question of interpretation as to whether what you're doing is actually compliant or not. Um, whereas, yeah, now you set off down the path of doing a new way of doing it, you can get that right from the beginning, which has only got to benefit the advertisers because they know the data that they're getting is good and that it is compliance been collected properly. People have been told what it's going to be used for. Um, and therefore, you know, they, they can use it more freely for those purposes than they might have been able to from stuff they collected years ago that may now not be relevant or they're you know just working off they haven't really got to grips with how they comply to this point mm -hmm. yeah. And, yeah and i think against all of this it's the information commissioner's office the ico has um launched an, a, a review of real-time bidding and, and the ad tech industry as a whole because as carl was carl was saying it's, it's one of those things that sort of has grown quite quickly and is really quite complex um and has probably grown without a huge amount of thought as to privacy and how data is used. Um, so, although that has not been completed yet, um, there will no doubt be some things that come out of that, which mean that practices need to change um, in terms of how um, advertising works and how the technology works um, and, and, and how that data can be used. So, this is going to happen at, at, at some point or another. And it's, it's, I suppose it's who takes control of that. Is it the regulator or is it the technology companies that are sort of one step ahead of the regulator um, and are making the changes um, sort of them, themselves um, and forcing the ad tech industry into complying with their requirements um, before the um, regulator forces them to comply with yeah. some sort of requirement. Yeah, uh, well, and there might be a commercial advantage yeah. to getting out ahead of the regulator as well, which is, you know, if the re regulator comes in and makes changes to the way that you work, um, you might have to adopt them in a massive hurry, which might disrupt your business for, um, you know, a significant period and might lead to revenues dropping off, et cetera, when you, you know, don't necessarily want to. But if you get out ahead, make sure that you are complying and coming up with new ways of doing things that are going to be um, you know, more compliant in the future, you might get a step ahead of your competitors who aren't quite there. Um, and if you're you know, a big brand looking to advertise and you've got an agency, say, that has done all that work, can say, we've made sure that we comply, and you've got one that hasn't taken any of those steps, some of the brands will not want to associate themselves with the agencies that aren't um, doing that work. So, mm. you know, from the ad tech point of view, getting ahead, I would have thought, has got significant commercial benefits 
on top of the you know regulatory benefits that come alongside that. So it sounds like Apple, uh, you know, has kind of started a, a very big sea change of how things work. I mean, obviously, it might have been happening before um, Apple even did what they were doing. But you know, is there potentially something potentially a bit more cynical reasoning behind what Apple's doing? Potentially, maybe, you know, uh, you know, they're they're running all these ads saying we're privacy first, trying to sell phones. Is there perhaps a reason why why they're doing this? You're not suggesting that Apple might be a bit of a monopoly and uh, maybe (laughs) dealing in sort of anti-competitive practices, are you, Ed? No, not at all. Not at all. Well, um, certainly, you know, obviously at the moment, Apple's involved in several legal disputes, most notably with Epic on um, Fortnite and the way in which its payment portal works, whereby if you want to process a payment within Apple's platform um, or iOS in particular, doesn't or iPad OS, doesn't really apply to Mac OS in the same way. Um, you have to use Apple's product. You've, you've got no choice, and that means you also have to pay a cut of that. Um, for in-app purchasing, it's 30%. It's usually called the Apple tax um, for the purposes of having you know access to that platform. Uh, and I have seen some commentary. I'm not sure I necessarily – well, I suppose we're not competition lawyers, but um, – I've, I've seen some commentary that says that one of the reasons that Apple's doing this, as well as saying we're the privacy champions, we're the ones that are going to protect consumers from these big, bad, evil advertisers, um, is that that will force uh, more people down the route of charging for in-app purchasing for apps in the first place. And obviously, that is to Apple's benefit because they can then impose the 30% Apple tax on those payments. And whereas at the moment, all that advertising revenue that's generated from the content, uh, the collection of personal data through the phone, Apple doesn't get a cut off at all, other than they do some of their own advertising. But um, it's not in the same ballpark as 30% of everything that um, I'm I'm sure Apple would love 30% of all the ad revenue generated. But uh, that might be another reason why they're doing this. Um, But I think that's a difficult one to balance. Like, what's the interest of the... Because there is benefit there. There is benefit yeah. for the individual there for certain. Like, you know, I have an iPhone and I, I really like the fact that, you know, that's part part of why I like it is their, you know, their privacy messaging. You know, I can't lie. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it's definitely, they pull you into that ecosystem um, yeah. for sure. And and I think this is what, you know, it comes back down to the the argument that Facebook made about, well, you know, we're trying to keep the the Internet free to use and Mm. and Apple are basically shutting it down (laughs) and making it, you know, paid for. And it's balancing those two things. And, you know, what's more important, privacy or, or freedom? And actually, in reality, would it really get to a point where you have to pay for everything. I, I don't know if it would, but. No, and the other uh, argument that comes up with that is that eventually um, the app developers, et cetera, will move away mm-hmm. from apps potentially and get things into websites where they are outside Apple's ecosystem. I doubt Apple is going to restrict people from viewing websites on um, their 
portable devices that would certainly stop me buying one um and mm. as one of their better customers that's probably not a good <laughs> idea from their point of view although i have a drop in a very 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 large ocean yeah um, <laughs> but uh, yeah it's it's difficult but for you know from a user's point of view it's how much control you want personally against how much mm. you want apple to impose that control on you mm. and if you're tech savvy and you're keeping up with industry news and all that kind of thing maybe you want that level of control but for your average user they a probably don't understand the technology how it's being used or what it's being used for and therefore who regulates that there is a huge the government always takes a long time to catch up with imposing regulation because government is a fairly slow beast and needs to get through the legislature and stuff like that. So who's going to champion it? And I suppose at the moment it's Apple that are doing that for the consumer um, from a privacy standpoint, whether they're being entirely nefarious in doing that is an entirely different matter. But yeah, it, it's a tricky one. Okay, well, it sounds like Apple's obviously, as we said, going to make some making some big changes um, potentially to the whole industry. But if someone's working in ad tech or owns an ad tech business, yeah, what are the legal steps that they should maybe be taking now um, to kind of prepare for this this um, change? So if you're an ad tech business or you're an advertiser and you're developing a new way of working to avoid um, the problems that the new Apple uh, process creates or you know any other changes that will be imposed i suppose it, it's going back to basics on what your obligations are under the uh, data protection legislation so whenever you're doing this you need to first of all map what data you're collecting who you're collecting it from where you're getting it from and then from there work out the impact of processing that data and in particular giving it to third parties um, on the user. So doing a, you know, essentially a data protection impact assessment for every use of that personal data. Um, and also at the same time, collecting the information about um, what uh, use you're going to make of it, writing that down in a policy that a user could understand if they were asked to read it. Um, and setting out the lawful basis on which you are processing that information um so you know the, the same rules that have always applied will continue to apply there but um you know it's making sure you've done that if you need to get consent it's making sure you've got a system in place to get that consent in particular for things like e-marketing you know also thinking about whether there's um special category data that you're collecting if you're collecting data about children in particular and making sure you're doing everything to comply documenting the process that you've gone through and basically creating that audit trail so that if there's ever an investigation from the ico you've got that in place um, to be able to show them because you know the last thing you want to do is come up with an amazing new technology uh, it works really really well the ico get hold of it and you get a whacking great fine as a result, um, which obviously can be very hefty in the case of uh, a breach of data protection legislation nowadays. Mm. Okay. 
Well, um, yeah, thanks for that, Carl. Um, and I guess the next thing we'll move on to is uh, the, the the cookie apocalypse. <laughs> this is my new favourite term. I <laughs> yeah, I love it. Can you blame him? Make sure to join us next time when I'll be continuing my chat with Carl and Charlie about the cookie apocalypse. In the meantime, if you want to read more from our team about tech, make sure to keep an eye out for our Head of the Curve magazine. Thanks for listening.